0: This has been a great week, hasn't it? It's been a great week. Patriots won the game on Sunday night. Pull off a win. The Red Sox won last night. They lead the series two games to one. I'm excited about that. And the Celtics won their first game of the season. So life is good. But how many of you believe that one day with Jesus is far greater than one year of all the wins that the Celtics, the Bruins, the Patriots, or the Reds have couldn't gather? Amen? Now I know for some of you men that might sound a little sacrilegious and blasphemous. But I think that after you hear the message you'll probably show me a little mercy, so... But let's get into the word of God. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you so much for all that you are. We thank you for your mercy and grace that you extend towards us, Lord God, every day of our lives. And Lord, only you know how much we need it. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and continue to do in our lives. We ask for your blessings here tonight. We ask, Father God, that you open up our hearts and deposit in us words of life, Words, Lord God, that will stir up our spirit, man. Words, Father God, that will draw us closer to you. Words, Father God, that will bring deliverance and, and, and break every stronghold in our lives. Father God, that your word will set us at freedom and give us liberty, Father God, in the areas that we need freedom from. So, Father, we thank you also for your presence in this house. Let the Holy Ghost move mightily on our behalf. And, Lord, we depend on him to have his way. And for this, we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. A lady was walking one day with her dog. And the dog was trying to get away from the leash. And so... Every time the dog tried to pull away, the lady would yank the leash, pulling the dog back. And so, therefore, the dog could not get free. Because, you see, the dog was, was held hostage by a leash. It was, it was being bound by that leash. So, therefore, it couldn't get away. It couldn't break away free. It couldn't break the chains. Now, this is the description... Of where many Christians are today. They are bound. And held hostage by a leash. And. There are many links. To that leash. There's a. The link. Of anger. There's a link. Of hate. There's a link. Of resentment. There's also a link of bitterness. And also the link. Of revenge. But no matter how many links there are in that chain, it all points to one thing unforgiveness. And tonight I want to talk to you on the subject of unforgiveness. Now two years ago today I shared this very same message. But I really sense the need to bring this issue up today because I believe that whether we realize it or not But unforgiveness has been running rampant in the body of Christ. And here's my concern, that people have become comfortable walking in that spirit of unforgiveness. They feel justified that no matter what happened to them, they feel justified that they can continue on walking around with this unforgiveness in their hearts. But tonight I want to talk to you and show you how poisonous that unforgiveness is. And how destructive it is in our lives. I want to talk to you about the seriousness of unforgiveness. And then we're going to talk about how we can walk in forgiveness. And I think that's very important. But if you have your Bibles with you, if you go with me to Matthew chapter 6. And begin reading in verse 14. Now there are three things in life that can destroy a person. The first thing is anger. The second thing is pride. And of course the third thing is the big one. Unforgiveness. Because know this. That refusing to forgive. Means that God. Will not forgive our sins. In Matthew chapter 6. In verse 14. Jesus word says this. If you forgive those who sin against you. Your heavenly father will do what? Forgive you. Verse 15. But. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will do what? Will not forgive you your sins. Now this statement alone should be enough to shake the very cause of our being and wake us up to the fact that unforgiveness is a serious matter. And if it doesn't do anything for you, then we'll pray for you at the end of the service. But unforgiveness is a spiritual poison. Because understand this, that the the risk that we take by walking in a forgiveness is this. That we suffer unforgiveness towards us from the Father for our own sins. That's the price that we pay. That's the risk that we take. So unforgiveness is a major risk to take because it carries serious consequences. It carries eternal consequences. So let's continue looking at the seriousness of unforgiveness. While you're still in the book of Matthew, go to chapter 18. Now, there's hardly a person in this room or in this world that is not carrying scars because of some past hurts. But God provides only one solution to a heart that has been hurt and broken. Only one solution that uh, that will bring healing to a relationship that has been violated. It will bring healing not only to that, but also uh, those whose reputation has been ruined because of slander and lies. Yeah. Only one solution, and that solution is forgiveness. Right. And we'll talk about that later. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, or well actually Peter, begins to ask the question about this very topic. He says this, "Lord, how often shall my brother my brother sin against me and I forgive him?" Up to seven times? Verse 22. Jesus said to him, "I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 7." Seven. In other words, Jesus was simply saying that there are no limits to forgiving someone of their offense. That means that our whole life should be a, a heart of forgiveness. No matter how many times a person offends us, no matter how many times a person hurts us, we should always have a spirit of forgiveness. There is no limit to forgiveness. And then after Jesus answers his question, then he begins to teach a parable concerning this topic. Verse 23, he says this, and it's interesting too because this parable is comparable to the kingdom of heaven. He says this in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, most scholars say that the 10,000 talents is an equivalent to a million dollars. So needless to say, this brother was in deep debt. Verse 25, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then verse 27 says this. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him. And forgave him the debt. Let me read that to you again. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. Released him. And forgave him. Of one million dollar debt. Verse 28. But that same servant went out. Now It's interesting too because this servant came in there deep in debt. But he left the palace free of debt. It's $1 million free of debt. But look at verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denaries. Now, 100 denaries is equivalent to $15. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Um, can I, I need a, an example. Somebody I can demonstrate that to. <laughs> who can I choke? And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. But John, was you going to volunteer? Okay. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me. And I will pay you all. And he would not. But went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Verse 31. So when his fellow servant saw what what, what had been done... They were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. One million dollars I forgave you because you begged me. I wiped your slate clean for one million dollars. I've forgiven you. I considered you, as far as I was concerned, you owed me nothing. And he says in verse 33, Should you not have done the same to your fellow servant? Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Should you not wipe the slate clean for your fellow servant as I did for you? Shouldn't you have been merciful to your fellow servant as I was merciful to you? And in verse 34 it says, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all That was due to him. Understand this. This servant was not being punished. Because he refused to pay his debt. Or failed to pay his debt. He was being punished. Because he failed to show mercy and forgiveness. To his fellow servant. In verse 35. This is what I want you to see. So my heavenly father. Also will do to you. If each of you. Now he's speaking to each one of us. Each each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother for his trespasses. Our sins against God, even though we can never repay it, and even though we've been forgiven of it, is compared to the 10,000 talents. While the sin that is committed against us, in which we are unwilling to forgive is an equivalent to the 100 denaries. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's because of the fact that our sin against God carries far more greater consequences than any sin that's committed against us. Because the consequences carries an eternal consequence compared to the sin that is committed against us. Now, I'm not diminishing or... Taking lightly any pain and suffering that you may have suffered over the years because of someone, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm simply saying is this: our sin against God is far greater than any sin is committed against us. Are, are you hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, this parable not only illustrates the, the the importance of forgiveness, but it also illustrates the seriousness. And the consequences of unforgiveness. The king called the servant wicked because he failed to show mercy in the same way that he was shown mercy. He failed to extend the same grace and forgiveness that was extended to him. When we don't forgive, what we're saying to God is, Lord, I appreciate your love. I appreciate your mercy and I appreciate your forgiveness. But I'm I'm willing to forgive that other person because of what that person did to me. You know, there's an attitude that people have where they feel justified for being angry and staying angry at that individual that hurt them. They say, you don't know what they did to me. I don't care. I don't, I, I, I don't forgive them. I'll never forgive them. Not realizing that they're hurting themselves more than they're hurting the offender. We'll talk about that later. But I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable in others, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But if we continue or to remain hard and unforgiving towards others, how can we expect God to forgive us? anytime we have an unforgiving heart it blocks us from receiving forgiveness from God himself think about doing something to someone and you're truly sorry for it and you're asking for forgiveness and that person doesn't forgive you do you know how that feels? when someone doesn't forgive you for something you've done and you've done everything you could to try to make restitution and try to make things right but that person refused to forgive you it's an awful feeling Imagine feeling that way when God refused to forgive you because you are unwilling to forgive others. It's a serious thing, folks. Unforgiveness robs us of the life that God has provided for us and intended for us to have. You know, our fellowship with God flows freely as long as we're willing to forgive. But the moment we stop forgiving... It blocks that flow of fellowship with the Father. What's also interesting is that unforgiveness is not only unhealthy for us spiritually speaking, but it's also unhealthy for us physically. It's interesting what what I've come up with in my studies because it says here that unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. Did you know that? One of the uh, leading chief of surgeons from the Cancer Treatment Centers of America stated this. This is a statement he makes. He says, Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Unbelievable. With that in mind, there have been forgiveness therapies that have opened up all over the country and now being used to help treat diseases, especially cancer. And it's interesting because a statement was made says it's important to treat emotional wounds or disorders because they really can hinder someone's reaction to a treatment. So imagine having cancer while carrying an unforgiving heart. Whatever treatment that you're receiving the reaction can hinder the treatment. I mean that's unbelievable. But again, it just shows you how serious unforgiveness is. They say that over, uh, of all the cancer patients in the world, 61% of them, watch this, 61% have forgiveness issues. And out of the 61%, over half are severe. Man. So, serious diseases can actually develop as a result of the stress and the pressures that come from resentment and and bitterness and unforgiveness. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. But it's just unbelievable how unforgiveness can not only carry spiritual consequences but also carries physical and emotional consequences. (coughs) But In Hebrews 12, unforgiveness opens the door to all kinds of things. And you know, uh, one of my my wife's pet peeves is when I leave the door open to the front during the summer. and, And what happens is all these flies come flying in the house. So, you're sitting at dinner and then you get flies and you're swatting flies, you know, while you were. And you know, one of the biggest things that really irks me is that you're watching television and this fly just. It just drives you up for a while and you're, just, you're rolling up a paper and you're swatting it every time it comes by and you keep missing it. But that's because I left the door open. Unforgiveness leaves the door open for all kinds of stuff, one of them is bitterness. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14, says this. Pursue peace with all people. Now there's an answer to all the prayers right there. If you pursue peace with all people, you'll have no problem forgiving anybody. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, or looking out for each other, lest any one of us fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. In other words, when we allow the bitterness to take root in our hearts, it causes trouble. I don't know about you, but I want to try to avoid trouble as much as I can. But when we allow bitterness to come in and and take root, it's going to open up the doors for all kinds of other problems. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. That's why Paul warned the Ephesian church to put away all bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 31, says this. Let all bitterness wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you, or from you, with all malice. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgives you. So how does one put away bitterness? By forgiving one another. Amen. Now, Go to the next chapter, chapter 5, because Paul continues with the same thought. Chapter 5, verse 1, says this. Therefore, having said all that I said in the previous chapter, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Paul was making a plea to the people of Ephesus, to be imitators of God. So if God is kind, then we need to imitate his kindness. If God is gracious, then we are to imitate his graciousness. If God is forgiving, then needless to say, we need to imitate his forgiveness. Because we're children of God, we also carry and bear the very nature and characteristic of God. So it is possible for us to be like God because the scripture says be holy as I am holy. If God says that to us that means that it's possible for us to do the same and to be the same. So we are to learn to be like God when it comes to forgiveness. And listen, I know that for some of you this might be difficult to hear and I know it's been probably a struggle for you to try to Put yourself in a position to try to forgive the person or the offender. But please bear with me because I believe that by sharing this message and addressing this issue, I believe that you'll open the door for God to come in and begin to heal your wounds and help you get back to the journey of forgiveness. Amen? So every Christian, every one of us is called to be an imitator of God. Go to Colossians chapter 3. This also applies to husbands and wives. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. How many husbands do we have here today? Okay, husbands. Okay, well this is for you husbands. Husbands, say yes. Yes. Love your wives. And do not be bitter toward them. Let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. Husbands, love your wives. Be affectionate and sympathetic with them. And do not be harsh or bitter or resentful toward them. Wise, of you taking notes? Amen. Let me read that again. Be affectionate and sympathetic with them. And do not be harsh or bitter or resentful toward them. Amen. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 2. Unforgiveness will leave the door open for the devil to come in and take advantage in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 beginning in verse 5 and I read this to you from the New Living Translation says this I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me now Paul was talking about someone back in 1st Corinthians chapter 5 who was guilty of committing sexual immorality with his stepmother and because of that, Paul was not only angry with the fact that he was doing this, but he was angry also at the leaders for not addressing the issue. And so he, warned, he, he encouraged them to, to take disciplinary action and remove that individual from the fellowship. That's why Paul says that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Remove that cancer and it won't affect everyone else. But somewhere between 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, Something happened to this individual where he must have changed his life, stopped doing what he was doing, and made things right. Because now Paul had a change of heart. Verse 6 says this, most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. I believe that's a message for some of us here today. God is saying it's time to forgive. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. Verse 8, so I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. So when they were against him because of the things that he had done, ready to discipline him and put him out of the church, he got his life together, changed his ways, and now he's saying, okay, now it's time to bring him back in. Forgive him and reaffirm him back to loving him and back in fellowship. Now skip down to verse 10. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Why? Verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart or take advantage of us, for we are familiar or not ignorant with his evil schemes. Now Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says, Be angry and sin not. And do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I don't know about you, but the devil is like a cockroach. Because once he comes in, he provides all of his family and all of his friends. And before you know it, your whole house is infested with demons. You do not want to let cockroaches into your house. I'll just put it out there like that. They are just nasty. So was the devil. Go to Mark chapter 11. Because unforgiveness will also hinder your prayer life. Mark 11, chapter 25. I I'm chapter 11, verse 25. Verse 25 says this. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, that's three times we've read to you how that if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you as well. Which means that for every word out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So this is something we definitely need to take heed of. But in verse 25, he says that if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, but when you are praying, first forgive. So if you're going to pray, if there's something that you have in your heart towards somebody, before you even think about praying, you need to make sure that your heart is right. Otherwise, if you try to pray with an unforgiving heart, You're not only wasting God's time, but you're also wasting your own time. Because God will not hear the prayers of a person whose heart is unforgiving. Uh, Are you hearing me? Go to Psalm chapter 66. We're just going through the scriptures, just showing the seriousness of unforgiveness. And what the Bible says about it. In Psalm 66 verse 18, David says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear your prayers. So when a person refuses to forgive another, he's he's, he's hurting himself more than he's hurting the offender. Only because of your lack of unforgiveness. And if you wonder why your prayers are not being answered, maybe you ought to examine your heart and find out where you are. Because understand this, that a person cannot enter into the prayer room with an unforgiving heart and expect to leave that prayer room with blessings. That will not happen. So, I think one of the dangers of allowing yourself to continue living a life with an unforgiving heart is that your heart will become hardened. It's like planting a seed when you begin to plant a seed in unforgiving heart, with an unforgiving heart it's like planting a seed in your heart that will eventually become hardened will become untrustworthy or untrustful it becomes resentful and then bitter and in most cases lead to vengeance now I don't know about you but have you ever met somebody who got so angry with somebody that they were willing to do whatever it took to get at that person I was almost there Many, many years ago. So when I'm sharing this, I'm sharing this also from my own personal experience. Because I understand what it means to have an unforgiving heart. I understand what it means to be hurt. To be betrayed. I understand what it means to see someone get away with things. And in my heart I'm saying, if only I can get back at that person. When I find myself thinking of ways, devising ways to get back at that person. And understand that this was a struggle for me because I had just gotten saved. But I knew what the truth said. But at the same time, that unforgiveness, that resentment, that anger was pulling me away so that I can respond and act in the flesh. And it was a struggle for me. And, and please understand that this was a process. But I had to fight against thoughts of of entertaining thoughts of what this person did to me and entertaining thoughts of how I can get back. You know, I'm going to confess something with you tonight. There was a time where I was so angry and so hurt and so full of anger that it led me to a place where I was beginning to devise a way of breaking into that person's house. To keep in mind, I was, you know, this I was not in a good place. And I was thinking if I can put a mask over my head so they won't recognize me and go in there and beat up that person and then leave and leave, at least I can get a satisfaction in knowing that I got back at that person. But thank God I didn't do that. It It was more thought than action. But when... When you have an unforgiving heart, by thinking about it and and entertaining those thoughts, it can lead you to that place if you allow it. It can lead you to a place of desperation where you want to feel like you feel justified to have vengeance and get back at that person and think that you can be satisfied just by that. And let me tell you, you're not going to get any satisfaction. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Understand that those who have hurt you, those who have done harm to you, those that have betrayed you, don't you know that they're going to have to answer to God? Don't you know that? Don't you know that they're going to be held accountable? So a person with an unforgiving heart cannot say that they are justified by the way they feel. Unforgiveness is not justifiable. It's a sin against God. Look at what Hebrews 10.30 says. For we know him and who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Says who? The says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Who will judge his people? The Lord. The Lord. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. But rather give place to wrath. For it is written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Says the Lord. And one of my favorite verses. Galatians 6.7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows. That shall he reap. So whether we forgive them or not. They're going to have to answer to God. Either way. And they're going to have to reap what they sow in your life. But understand that the lack of forgiveness does more harm to you than it does to the offender. I like what someone wrote. He says this, the unforgiveness is like drinking a cup of poison and expecting someone else to die from it. Now, we all know that if we drink poison, the only one that's going to die from it is the person that drinks it, not somebody else. So, again, so just a glimpse of the seriousness of unforgiveness. So, let's talk about forgiveness then. But before we do, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. So, if you can put that up on the screen. What, is forgi- what forgiveness is not? I forgive you if you don't put that up on the screen. <laughs> what forgiveness is not? Okay, let me just read it. The first one is this. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Because you can feel forgiving one day, and the next day, don't feel so unforgiving, so forgiving. You know, emotions like the New England weather changes all the time. Forgiveness is also when, uh, when you forgive, it does not excuse or approve the wrong that the person has done. The third thing about forgiveness, or what forgiveness is not, is when you forgive, it doesn't mean that the wrong that has been done to you is acceptable. In other words, you're not accepting the thing that has been done to you just because you forgive the person. The fourth thing is when you forgive, it doesn't justify the offense. When you forgive... It doesn't diminish the evil that, was, that had been done to you, nor is it a denial of what was done to you. It is not pretending not to be hurt by it or repressing it far into the back of your mind so you don't have to think about it. Forgiveness is not when you forgive, and it doesn't, it, which means it doesn't let them off the hook. In other words, if you forgive somebody, and I think that's one of the things that we, we battle with and struggle with, that if we forgive somebody, it's almost like we're letting them off the hook. We're giving up free pass. That's not what forgiveness is. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verse 3 says this. Jesus says, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. Rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now again, this is probably hard for us to to imagine having to forgive somebody who keeps offending you on a consistent basis and then asking for forgiveness. You know, it it makes you want to say, you know what, forget you. Don't come back. Don't even ask for forgiveness. But again, that's the wrong attitude. Because forgiveness is unlimited. It's not limited to just how many times a person defends you. You forgive no matter how many times that person offends you. And again, this is so hard for us to grasp. But Jesus was always ready to forgive. Remember the adulterous woman that was brought before him? He forgave her. Remember the thief that was hung on a cross next to him? He forgave him. And how about the, 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 the executioners? The one who nailed him on the cross and hung him up. He prayed for them and asked that God would forgive them. God was always willing to quickly forgive any offenses that was done to him. Yeah. Go to Genesis chapter 50. Give you another example. Joseph was an example of choosing to forgive. Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15, says this when joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead they said perhaps joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him and so they sent messengers to joseph saying before your father died he commanded saying thus you will say to joseph i beg you please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sins for they did evil to you Now, please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And the Bible says that Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to him, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. Now, if anyone had a reason to punish these guys for what they've done, it was Joseph. He was in a position to do whatever he wanted to do because he had the authority. Because these young men, these brothers, robbed him of his youth. Took him away from his father. Put him through a a mess of being enslaved and going through the process of, and going through the, the life of being a slave as a young man. And he had every reason to punish them. In a horrible way if he chose to but he chose not to he simply said I'm going to forgive you imagine yourself doing the same thing to the very person that has offended you imagine yourself picture yourself doing that now the question is how do we forgive well first of all let's ask this question why is it so hard to forgive why is it so hard for us to forgive somebody? And I know some of us may, may be trying to forgive. Maybe we can say one day, you know, I forgive that person. Then the next day you feel all of a sudden you start thinking about all the things that that person done. And then realize, you know what, I don't forgive that person. But forgiveness is probably the most difficult act of any Christian. But understand that God knows how difficult it is for you. And how we struggle with that. Well, here's some reasons why we think... It's difficult. And of course, this is just some of the reasons, but not all of the reasons. But one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because to forgive someone... Because some of us feel that the offender should suffer some consequences for what he or she did. How many of you felt that way? Yeah. Another reason why it's so hard to, uh, to forgive somebody... Is that for some, it is difficult to forgive because if we forgive, it seems like we're letting them off the hook too easily. So we keep playing that over and over in our heads, thinking that they're getting away with something. Another reason why it's important, I mean, why it's so difficult to forgive, is that many of us just don't want to forgive because it's easier to be angry with the person rather than to forgive them. For some people, it feels good to be angry with them and to stay angry. Because it's just a way of maybe justifying yourself or feeling justified. And so you don't want to forgive. You don't want to take away that good feeling. (laughs) Many of us will not forgive because they are so full of hate and so full of bitterness that they can't even see themselves forgiving that person. They can't even see themselves beyond the hurt and the pain that they suffered. And because of that, many harbor strong feelings of resentment because of that. Others are afraid to trust again for fear of getting hurt again. You know you can still uh, forgive somebody and yet still not trust them? I know because I had to do the same thing. And that helped me. And I wish I had time to share more about that. But how can we walk in forgiveness? Go back to Matthew chapter 8, 18. when you forgive you're helping yourself more than you're helping the other person understand that but one of the ways that we learn to forgive is what we've been talking about earlier by simply making a decision to forgive Joseph chose to forgive even though it was within his power to do whatever he wanted to do the king in the parable that Jesus shared He was was in his power. As a matter of fact, he was already willing to sell all of his family and everything he had and sell them. But then because the man pleaded with him, he showed compassion. And he chose to forgive rather than punish that person. Go back to Matthew 18 beginning verse 21 where Jesus says, where Peter says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and forgive him? Up to seven times. Then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to uh, to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And then the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. You know what's the blessing about this? Is that when you and I mess up, we can plead with the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, please, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm sorry, I messed up, I blew it, please forgive me. And God, who's so full of compassion, will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and treat you like you've never sinned. That's a wonderful thing that I love about God. So why is it that we can't do the same for others? And so in verse 26, The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him of the debt. That king had the power to punish this man. But he made a choice. Would you say that he stand to lose a fortune a million dollars we're talking about. He took a huge loss. And it would have been within his right to say, No, I'm, I'm going to take back my loss. I'm going to try to recover my losses by punishing them, selling them, whatever I can do. But he chose to take the loss to forgive and to pardon that servant. Sometimes we're, it's hard for us to forgive because we think we're taking a loss. We're not losing, we're gaining. Right, right. Understand that when, when we forgive, we're helping ourselves more than the offender. Right. But he chose to forgive. The Lord. Forgiveness is pardoning an offender so that the offender is considered and treated <laughs> as not guilty. That's the way God sees us. He looks at us. He doesn't look at our sins. He looks at us as forgiven. He looks at us as cleansed. And God is calling us to do the same to those that offended us. To pardon them. To release them. And forgive them of their debt. And understand this. But the person that God is calling you to forgive may not be deserving. Right. But deserving has nothing to do with it. Could you say that you and I deserve forgiveness from God? No. We don't deserve it. But deserving had nothing to do with it. God chose to forgive us. Right. So forgiveness means forgiving those who are undeserving. And I'm sure that we've said in our hearts... That person doesn't deserve deserve my forgiveness. That person doesn't deserve anything. We've all said it. We've all thought it. But we need to stop thinking like that. And start just forgiving. Make a choice. Forgive. It's a decision to giving up the power and desire to want to punish and retaliate that person. Forgiveness is the decision to release or to fully free the person from all debt and from the offense that he caused against you. Forgiveness is a decision to obey God's will and to forgive, which leads leads us to peace and freedom. Forgiveness is also a decision to stop talking about the person and stop talking about the offense. This decision means to stop thinking about all that was done to you. Ephesians 4 verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. You want to forgive? Stop thinking about the individual that offended you. Stop thinking about the offense that they committed against you. And stop allowing the devil to replay all the things that have been done. Stop it. And choose and make a decision to forgive go to Acts chapter 1 so one way to learn to forgive is to make a decision to forgive the second depend on the Holy Ghost listen you cannot forgive the way God wants us to forgive without the help and the power of the Holy Ghost Amen. because listen it's too hard for us to do it on our own we need his help to help us Acts one eight. God, or Jesus, promise us in verse 8, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He promises to have power or ability to not only be a witness, but also to forgive, to overcome, to walk the way God wants us to walk. I like what Philippians 2.13 says in the Amplified Version. It says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. And then the third way to overcome or to walk in forgiveness is to simply obey God. The Bible says to forgive, and it shall be forgiven of you. It's that simple. You obey him, and listen, this is what I had to learn in my own struggles. I came to a point where I was tired of fighting, I was tired of falling on my face, I was tired tired of giving into my flesh, because every time I did that, it just messed me up. So I decided, you know, Lord, I'm going to make a decision to forgive. I can't do, I can't control this person, I can't change this person, but I can change who I am. I can change my attitude. And this was a process. But over time, I saw how, listen, when I made that decision, I released that person to God so that God can do what only he can do in that person's life. I can't be worrying about that person. And over time, I saw God work in such a mighty way that one day... My wife and I, we got a call from this very same person that has spent years harassing and hurting and manipulating just to apologize and confess of all the things that that person did. And from this point on, this moment on, or from that point on to this day, this person and I have a good relationship. I never in my wildest imagination could imagine me sitting down with this person in different social events, talking, laughing, and going over to this person's house for cookouts. Never could I have imagined that that could ever happen. But because I gave it to God, and I made a decision to forgive and to walk in love as best that I could with my own ability, but also with the ability of the Holy Ghost. God gave me victory. And to this day, I can say I have no animosity towards that person. But all the love. If you allow God to do the thing in your life. When you do that, God will come in and begin to do a work in you and bring healing to your heart and to your wounds. But you've got to trust that he can do that. But you've got to be willing to let it go. Because by holding on to it and thinking about it and replaying it over and over again, it's going to keep you in the same, it's like a hamster. Running around on the wheel, not getting anywhere. You don't want to be like a hamster. You want to be free. You want to get places. You want to move forward. You want God to get you to another place. And more importantly, you want to bring healing. Now, I'm running out of time. So I want to to end this service by saying a prayer. But I want all of you to join me in this prayer. I want to lead all of you in a prayer. Because today, if, if you're here tonight and you're struggling with unforgiveness, tonight is the night you're going to make a decision no more. Today is the day I stop being unforgiving. Today will be the day I will start forgiving. I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to forgive that person who offended me. And I'm going to release that person and I'm going to let it go. And it's not going to be a part of my life anymore. So that's what we're going to pray tonight. So I want everyone to pray this prayer. So I want everyone to close their eyes, no one looking around. And this is between you and God, your heart to God's ear. If that's you and you're struggling with this this issue in your life, I want you to say this prayer. But I want everyone to join in. Okay, say, "Lord, Lord, my heart has been wounded by someone who hurt me deeply. I have been very angry and bitter because this happened and I have not been able to let it go of this pain I want you to say this with me now I have wondered many times where you were when this happened to me I acknowledge that a spirit of unforgiveness has overtaken me and is not from you I confess that I cannot do this without your help I turn from the sin of unforgiveness right now cleanse me cleanse my heart of all the anger of all the bitterness of all the resentment and revenge that I have toward that one who hurt me fill me with your Holy Spirit give me the power to overcome my flesh Let me walk in the freedom of your forgiveness. Let me see the one who hurt me through the years and help me to take my offender to the cross and leave them there. Cover their face with the precious blood of Jesus until I can see that person no longer. I forgive the one who sinned against me and sin against you if the enemy comes in like a flood and brings bitterness back to my heart I will stand on this confession I leave final judgment in your hands and will no longer hold this sin to this person's account I'm no longer a slave to the cancer of unforgiveness. I praise you and your powerful name for my freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, believe that you've been set free and from this day forward, you're walking as a free man, as a free woman with forgiveness in your heart. No longer will you be tied down by the chains or the links of resentment or bitterness.